Communication is contagious. Peace and thank you.
That's right. Everything's going to be all right. You know how I know? Because we're here at the Common Thread Collective Mutiny Radio. I'm Global Val, sitting here with Diamond Dave. Hi, Dave. And I think that attitude, or is it a philosophy, or is it a philosophical attitude, that everything is going to be all right, kind of, kind of is necessary. It's really necessary, not kind of really necessary, because you know if you struggle, if we get together and, and do more together than we can do on our own, a lot of people showed up on May Day just a few days ago. So that's another step along the way. If, 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 if people getting out there, getting together, fighting one another, sharing with one, with one another, which is, I guess, what we're about. Is that right, Val? That is true. We, we share this uh, time and space with everybody who comes through, and uh, we like to put it out there around the planet, streaming around the planet on the Internet, connecting with all of our friends around the world, and, uh, yeah, really they glad were, to do it. We're all in this together, and... Uh, and grateful for everyone's participation. And grateful, and what we've, uh, 
what we hope for is to fly through, what I, to, to cast that wide net, find that common thread. Hey, fellow human beings out there, brothers and sisters on the planet, uh, so do, do we plan it? Well, to some degree, we need to. <coughs> and if everything is going to be all right, um, everything is going to go right, that's a good start. Now, Karen, hey, Karen. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Karen, uh, uh, Karen's got some poetry. She was at, uh, Gary Karen's uh, is working on being a poet, which is what it's about. And we met up, Val, I think we met up at Poetry Under the Dome. Is that right? Yeah. Poetry Under the Dome. And uh, did you get to read there that time? Yeah, I did. I performed one poem as one of the community poets. Okay, how does that seem to you? Where, yeah, Karen, Karen won the, the name draw at the word party. At word party. Wow, that's a wonderful. We could give a little publicity to that because that's a, that's a, that's a wonderful venue, a good place to come. And you can either read to the jazz, uh, to the band, which is how it began in a way, you know, that uh, poetry and jazz really came to its fore. Uh, during that uh, generation called the Beat uh, Generation. That's what Beatniks did with poetry and jazz. And uh, Did you do that? Um, no, I didn't do it with jazz. It was my first time there, so I was a bit intimidated by uh, the band. So I signed up for the one without the music. But. Oh, okay. well, beautiful. And uh, well, it's time to be unintimidated. <laughs> I hope you are. Um, I, I know the fact that you're being heard, and your uh, roots are in uh, Indonesia and the Philippines. Yeah. And uh, actually, we could be heard around the planet. <laughs> uh, your family, or if you have a family, they're in the Philippines still. Do you? I know. They're, they're living in Indonesia now. Oh, in Indonesia. Oh, hey, Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tell them you're going to be on the, going to be on and they can hear you? Yeah, but I don't know what time it is there. It's like 5 a.m., so <laughs> I well, don't think they'll Well, well they can hear the podcast. It's all the same. In other words, as soon That's as we... True, yeah. I'm telling everybody here, everybody out there, to let the friends know if you can't make if you can't make it at this whatever time it is, time zone dilemma. Got the time zone blues. I want you to get the news. You can be heard anytime. I think here, uh, Karen. Uh, well, Karen's been on. I think. Well, anyway, Karen. Yeah. So just to be clear, yeah, we're streaming on MutinyRadio.fm. So if people go to that website, um, it also will pop up as PCR Collective. Dot org, So um, you're in the right place. Hit the podcasts and you'll see um, there's actually two different listings for our show. One says Common Thread Collective and one says just Diamond Dave. So I think the Diamond Dave one is a little bit further back in our archives, but um, you can click on either one and you'll see just a litany of shows that we've done over the years. Litany so. is right. Wow. I know. Uh, so he looks many. like hundreds of hours. I know. And we're also getting a lot of downloads. We are. We totally jumped up. So um, we got some stats in from March and April. And collectively, between the Common Thread Collective and the Diamond Dave tabs, we'll say, um, on our website, um, our show in March had 2,893 downloads, and in April it jumped up to 4,429. I don't know what we were doing in April that we weren't doing in March. Well, I think maybe it's what we were doing in March. It hopped up in April. In April. It's been well, a busy it's season. It's, well, it's just good. It's good to know that uh, people are interested. And, you know, I think it's mainly because, you know, people can come in and, and perform here and, and share their work with the, those that they know and... 
and it's a this is a platform you know and here of course be san francisco here of course be i'll say it again san francisco and if we look back uh, historically, 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 and historically, so much began in San Francisco. So, but I think people are looking to see where we're going, what's what's going to happen, uh, and what is going to pop up, and I can have something to what uh, to do with it since I'm one third beatnik from the fifties. I was there, one third hippie, and one third is the eighties. We were old in the eighties, punk as fuck. So here we are, still doing it, still up for it at the late date in my life. And so, Karen, let's, let's, let's hear some poetry. All right. So this is one of the first poems I started reading at open mics. It's called Elephant in the Roof. All there is is empty air between two people, merely a hand's reach away, yet worlds apart. You ask me why I'm so distracted and my eyes wander to the other end of the room. Can't you see it too? The way it struts around, calling for attention with no sound, so loud. Thump, thump, thump. Are those its footsteps or the sound of a heart beating? Yours or mine, I can never tell. I miss the way we used to be. Don't look away. It's staring at you, there, right in the face. It's jumping through hoops, woven out of strings of the words we never said. Tell me you see it too. There's an elephant in the room. Are you planning on shooting it down? Thank you. Mosey. <laughs> so that's the gap between people, which seems to go get farther and farther, farther apart as time goes on. That when, when conversation is so, uh, people haven't gotten used to conversation anymore. It's very hard to find conversation. And I think that's that, and the bump in the room to me is, is that, is the fact that we're increasingly separated, even though we're only feet apart. Only, we're, we're only feet apart. We're increasingly separated by, I guess, uh, changes in the culture what people expect from one another, from where we are with one another, and what it is. Is that a good is that an interpretation? Yeah, that's definitely a valid interpretation. And it was mainly about this relationship I had with a friend. Like, something ha bad happened between us, but then we never talked about it. So it was always something that was, like, on our minds. But, yeah, we never. it was the elephant in the room that we never talked about. Right, right. And you're, that how you end it is, you know, are you going to shoot it down? Just like forget that it's there. Like, let's yeah. just, but then you have a dead elephant in the room, right? Which is not. It's <laughs> an even bigger problem. It's a bigger now. problem. <laughs> uh, interesting. Yeah. So indeed, indeed, that's what I've been thinking more and more about that as I began, as I began to see, I go to City College in San Francisco mm -hmm. and people just go from class to class. The idea of it being community, and now it's free. I want to put that out. We've talked for some time, as Val, as we were struggling to, to stop them from taking away our accreditation, because if, it was no, if City College was no longer accredited, it would be like a dead elephant in the room, if I can use that metaphor. And but we we got we beat them to their surprise. They thought they had us, and then now City College is free. But the problem, folks. 
is that the, uh, the, the the number of people there, what do you call it? The, uh, enrollment. Enrollment, thank you, Val, is really down. I stand there and look at the people going from class to class, and what's happened? You can you can feel that it's really down, that City College is free. One of the reasons for it is that we need to bring that enrollment up. Enrollment up. So folks, starting in September, think about it. You can enroll for September, in which case it's free if you live here. In case it's free, maybe you'd want to take a few classes in this or a couple classes in that. Come on down and do it. Uh, come on down and uh, do it and investigate it. Right there in Phelan. Get there in the two, on the 49. Uh, the 43. The K. The K. The K. That's right. Right. Or you could take BART to Balboa Park. Or take BART to Balboa Park. Well, come on in there. Hey, you 4,000 people. Maybe how many I have are here in San Francisco within distance? I have no idea. But come on down, check it out, and do it. I'd like to see it there. And we need to engender a community of strangers becoming friends and friends' family and family, community, and community on the move. Our movement. Give us another poem. Okay. I want to, I want to get deep with you. <laughs> So this is the only other poem I have. Um, this was the poem I read for Poems Under the Dome. And it was a very stressful week because I wrote this on Tuesday and I just decided to perform it at City Hall. So this one's called Safe. When I asked my dad what a safe was, he said it was a box where you kept your most valuable things so that no one else could steal them. He kept an old dial safe on the top shelf of his closet on lazy Sunday afternoons, I would pull up a chair, press my ear to its cold black surface, pretending to be a bank robber. Mm. Left, right, I would spin that dial round and round, hoping the safe would pop open. It never did. Until one day, by mere chance, it was left unlocked. I pulled the door back to see what was inside. I was not greeted by the blinding sheen of gold coins or crystal skulls. I was greeted by paper etched with the names of me and my siblings in the days we were born. If this house were to burn down, the only thing left would be proof that me and my siblings ever existed. As a father, I guess that's the most valuable thing you can have. After I had my first panic attack, I got my own safe. This one not physical, but up here. I filled it with the things that were most valuable to me. My fears, my secrets, my skeletons, I did not want anyone else to see. On a moonlit night on the beach, I got caught up in a boy who brought out the fun side of me, made me jump in the ocean at 2 a.m., made me laugh so hard, I forgot how much I disliked myself. I got caught up in the taste of his lips, the feeling of his hands exploring each and every curve. I wanted to give him a gift. My body refused to deliver. And the safe burst open. The skeletons came out into the night. You saw the blood money, the rotten spoils, took it all in. Then you delicately picked up every broken piece as if they were precious gems, placed them back shut the door with a soft click. For the first time in a long time, you made me feel safe. Safe. 
the two saves. Well, that's an amazing poem, Val. <laughs> it it gets to the bone of their own, uh, uh, what you've been through and who you are and what it's about. That's what poetry is for. One of the things poetry is for. So hopefully, Karen, you'll keep writing. You'll keep writing as, you're, as, as you develop as a fellow human being. And keep writing and putting it out there like messages put in a bottle and thrown into a sea. In this case, the sea of life. How's that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. And actually, that you did perform that at, at Poems Under the Dome, and one of one of my students came. Um, he's from Turkey, mm-hmm. and so he, he's here just studying English. So he came out to Poems Under the Dome, and he really enjoyed it because, you know, well, most people actually read, you know, kind of slowly and. You know, it's like short phrases and things. And he he mentioned your poem, and the panic attacks and the, about the father and stuff. And he, so I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, so so it's that message in a ball that you're talking about, Dave. It's already been picked up by uh, in San Francisco by a Turkish uh, anesthesiologist. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, like so many people came up to me afterwards and just told me how much my poem would like touch them. Like one guy came up to me, I had never met him before, and he just said, your poem made me cry. And that was just a huge moment for me. So I'm definitely hooked now. I'm I'm definitely going to keep on doing this. And you're also welcome to come as long as this show is going on. And we're, uh, let me say it, I'm just thinking it before I forget it. And we're, we're sponsored. We have a sponsor here. So 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 we can go on go on usually a hundred dollars a month, but we can go on with a sponsor here, and that sponsor is our friends over at Organic Valley Family of Farms. Family of Farms, Organic Valley. They got milk, they got cheese, they got eggs, they got what's in the center of Wisconsin, Lafarge, Wisconsin, is their uh, is where they are in this part of the, the uh, Wisconsin. They call the Driftless. You have to be in Wisconsin around there to know the Driftless. The Driftless is that corner of Wisconsin where the glaciers never came. So Wisconsin is the beginning of the prairie where the glaciers did came and, and just put everything down where the prairie went, the flat, flat, flat. But in that corner, there are little mountains and little hills. And that's where the Kickapoo River flows into the Wisconsin River and then into the Mississippi at Fond du Lac, French. Fond du Lac, French, with the Mississippi. And it's all these little mountains and small spaces. And people began to get in. It wasn't big farmers, big farmers uh, with uh, thousands of acres. The small groups, communities, collectives, families that went there and got the rent was fairly, fairly cheap because this is mountains. This is mountains. The Driftless, the Driftless, the, the Driftless because the glaciers never came, is drift less but more. And that's where, where Organic Valley is. But you check them out no farther away than uh, Rainbow has them. Uh, you go into look in the freezer, you'll see um, uh, in the cooler, you'll see milk, cheese, and uh, milk, cheese, and uh, eggs. For, say, Organic Farm, Organic, organic Valley, Family of Farms. And you, they're, I mean, they're kind of a really inspiring group because the the model is a cooperative model, and and yet they've been very successful as a business. And so their mission is really to support local family farms, and um, 
we really, I mean, we really need that. There's been a lot of um, new uh, science that's been coming out about glyphosate, which is in the pesticides that um, are in in Roundup, which is designed to be a pesticide for genetically um, modified or engineered um, crops. So the the crops are designed to resist, um, to like withstand this pesticide of Roundup. But glyphosate, um, I mean, there's all sorts of just horrendous evidence coming out about how it's it's cancer causing it's it's apparently it can cause autism um it it attacks um the the gut like which is often referred to as the like your second brain um your whole digestive system um and uh so the fact that you have successful businesses that are operating under the organic model is the the way we need to be moving as a civilization. Um, so we're so happy that the friends over there at Organic Valley support us here because they know that we're just doing the good work of spreading the love and uh, go organic. Don't panic, keep it organic, right, Dave? That's what they go, go panic, keep it organic. And, and, uh, and uh, not only do they help us, but at Standing Rock. Yeah. They were there when we were out of Katrina, right after the earth, after the great uh, uh, flood. We were there, and they sent uh, they sent uh, truckloads of food, milk, and cheese. It was so good to see it because we could make uh, grilled cheese sandwiches for everybody. Uh, when we were so when we were at uh, when we were at Katrina, Organic Valley was there. When we were at the, uh, in the after the after the superstorm Sandy, we were there, and so was Organic Valley. And I know I do have to do more than no more than pick up my phone and and some uh, uh, place where they might be needed, and they're there. So hey, George, George Seaman, go back to the early days of Organic Valley. It was it, we, the way we go back is that I was living there in 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 the, in the Driftless, living in the Driftless, and that was before the Minnesota Rainbow Gathering. So uh, I didn't know the I just got I didn't know the people I didn't I just beginning to know that community that I'm talking about the alternative community of the of the Driftless. Now they got a bookstore and a radio station too that we should we should connect with more Driftless Radio, and uh, so we were uh, we had a benefit for the we were going to have a kitchen called the Kickapoo Kitchen. It's right on the Kickapoo River. The Kickapoo Kitchen at the Rainbow at Minnesota Rainbow Gathering. And then who came? A bunch of people. But with George Seaman was one of them. And he said, I'm going to plant a field of potatoes. We're going to plant a field of potatoes. And we're doing it just in time. And when they're, when they're ready, I'll be ready. You'll be ready. And so the, the, the Kickapoo Kitchen turned to be a kitchen for, for, French, for, for uh, fried potatoes. Every morning, fried potatoes. Thanks to George Seaman. And that was the beginning of now a well-established relationship. And when they're talking, they, they, they sponsor various shows at NPR, but they also sponsor us. And because uh, the, the, the kind of community they're talking about, that's you out there. The community that they're talking about that might be interested in a family of farms, as you said, the cooperative model, and might be interested in Organic Valley, milk, 
cheese and eggs. Check it out in your in the in the cooler in your local organic store. Don't panic. Keep it organic. And didn't they kind of take your line and put it on their trucks? So they don't did. panic. Keep it organic. Yeah, they, they built this truck, <laughs> and I, I was I look at it. It's all well painted. All made local artists, muralists. And I'm looking at it, I'm walking around, and then suddenly there it was. Don't panic, keep it organic. That's <laughs> Dave. Oh my goodness. So of course we mean now we uh, we mean organic in the in the in the fullest sense of the word. I'm not talking about organic. Uh, I'm just talking about organic coming out of the ground without pesticides, but also talking about the organic basis of life, which is balance which is yin and yang, left and right, up and down, old and young, man and woman, rock and roll. The organic basis of life, which is to keep it in balance. Do you understand that? Yeah, I do. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's what we're all trying to do. And in fact, those poems you read are all about trying to keep it in balance, but finding it time and time it doesn't keep it in balance. And that's what you write about. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> How we can have a relationship which is in balance. Yeah, and then things just get off balance and it's hard to bring it back together yeah but yet those moments like those moments which you found at the beach which you got outside of all that those moments of, uh, that you found at the beach which uh, which is which can be momentary which can be which are, are what they are but doesn't necessarily signal to signal for fine that's what we draw that we think we need to be fine well I think we need to find something which is long term in fact life is sometimes not long term it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Capture and the moment. Yeah, enjoy the moment, definitely. Here, all the way from Indonesia. Yeah. So, uh, Karen, how did you uh, how do you find yourself here in San Francisco? Um, so I was going to college for a little bit for about a year and a half, and I decided it wasn't working. So I signed up for this gap year program. It's called Uncollege. If anyone listening is sort of unsure about college and is looking for a program, it's a really great program. Uncollege. Uncollege. Yeah. And do, do they have a uh, do, do they have a physical presence here? Is there a consular connected with Uncollege? Is it? Uh, is, is it, do you have teachers that are Uncollege? You? They wouldn't be teachers. What? Uh, what's the connection yeah. between you and Uncollege? How does that work? How does yeah? How does it work? Yeah. So I'm basically a fellow at Uncollege. It's sort of like a student there. So the first part of the program, they send you abroad to volunteer. And then now I'm here doing like workshops and preparing to get an internship. And throughout the year, you're paired up with a coach. So they're basically like your teacher. Like you meet up with them every week, talk about what you want to do, set some goals, and then they really guide you along the way. So it's really great, like the support they give to their fellows, because that's that's the one thing I really needed. I feel like if I'm going to take a gap year, I need someone to like help me figure out what I want to do and keep me accountable. So. Well, is that coach uh, nice. here, in, here in San Francisco? Yeah. Who is it? What kind of person is it? You don't have to give him the name if you don't want <laughs> He's a great person. He's hilarious. He always makes mention of his athletic past. So he's kind of like a coach, like a, like a basketball coach. And he always gives me pep talks every time we talk. And he's a great guy. Is he a teacher in, uh, in life, his own life? He's, he's an unteacher in the uncollege. Yeah, like before he was doing uncollege, I think he was like a trained life coach. So he's just transferring well, those skills into life coach. uncollege. Yeah. Well, I always ask how we can help incorporate what we do, putting it around the message around the world, and what the, whatever it is the person who's, who's here is doing, how we connect. We, uh, I'd love to talk to your coach. 
if you'd like to talk, we talk about Uncollege. If you'd like to talk here about that, about Uncollege, and how we can connect in this gap year. Now, the concept of gap year is, uh, is interesting, and the concept of being a fellow is interesting, too, because the fellow implies a change in uh, gender, which you've definitely not done. And, but a fellow was, used to be a fellow. Used to be this part of the sexist past we all have to deal with, because a fellow was a fellow. Is that right, Val? That that is an older way to say to refer man. to a man, but you know it's now it's like hey guys, and that's talking to everybody, and that's inaccurate too. But yes, an academic fellow. Uh, <laughs> it's still it's, like, it's a it's an evolution from that because it used to be you know I guess there was a time I won't say forever but you know when men were afforded the higher education, but actually now worldwide there's more women in higher education than men. So, you know, a fellow. So we can either accept, or a, a fella. A fella. We can wrap up ourselves around the word fellow, <laughs> and realize that fellow is a is an antique word that still is with us. Or we can mention the fact that does that maybe that doesn't necessarily imply a change of gender. No. But it would be nice to find a word. Because fellowship with, is that like brotherhood, or is that just community? Uh, well, let's make it. We're making a community. So, anyway, Karen, tell your coach about the fact that you're here, and that we're interested in. Uh, I'd be interested in meeting him. I'd be interested in talking to him. Interested in see how it all fits together as an uncollege. Yeah, sure. I'll let him know. Definitely. Right on. And you're always welcome here on the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco. We're at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets in the Mission District. It's Cinco de Mayo, everybody. And uh, I'm going to play a little music, and we're going to be back in just a couple minutes with uh, some live music or perhaps some more poetry. But the music I'm going to play from you for you is from a musician who showed up at our show a few weeks ago, Karaj Lost Coast, from his album Oil and Water, and uh, this is my favorite track on it, Climate of Denial. different today Seven billion more on the way Pulse of the planet increases disarray As the ice melts away Turn up the echo Hear the decay Analog heartbeat on digital delay A junkie drummer Still searching for a vein As the timing slips away Selling out tomorrow for today Another spring Waiting for the snow Warm breeze Unsettled down below
Antarctica Reservoir of ice Twice the size of Texas Melts before our eyes Ocean level rises It comes as no surprise And the coastline slips away Soil's exhausted Crops waste away Increased drought and famine Nothing gold can stay Our endless summer Lasts another day As the seasons slip away Selling out tomorrow for today Another spray Waiting for the snow Warm breeze and settle down below. Pressure drops and starts to spiral in this climate of denial. Temperatures rising. Sun. Spotlight on the media 
all the world's a stage. Belligerent talk show profits keep the audience engaged. Crisis of consciousness, should we try to educate? Is it too little or too late? Sacrifice tomorrow or today. Another spring, still waiting for the snow. Warm breeze, unsettled down below. Science and reason are on trial in this climate of denial. Republicans turn away and smile Another fossil fuel revival In this climate of denial Temperatures rising Temperatures rising Climate of Denial is the name of that track from Courage Lost Coast off of his album Oil and Water. Check out CourageLostCoast.com. That's K-A-R-A-J-L-O-S-T-C-O-A-S-T. CourageLostCoast.com. Oil and Water. Music of our times, everybody. Music of our times. And I think it's time for a little music from our fellow blood flower <laughs> don't be laying that on me man i blame blood flower don't be yeah you can blame it on me just don't lay it on me. Oh, vertical. take it away blood flower all right thanks val sure quiet on the set everyone Thank you. 
That was a great uh, musical uh, it was. interval. It was. It had a, a lot going on in there. Well, it's been <laughs> there was some. I heard some art. There, there was some philosophical. Like, there was some blues in there that I heard. Potpourri. There was a potpourri. A piano. piano. Potpourri. Pianic potpourri. This here on the Common Thread Collective. It's quite the potpourri. Thanks. Which is a step by step of life. Favorite Jeopardy category: potpourri. Potpourri. That's a mixture. Mixture. I call it. Anyway, oh, I just got this on. This is sent by Jennifer Barone. We had been talking about Word Party. The sister who just read, heard, heard about us. The word was picked at Word Party, and but was picked. My name was taken out of the hat for Poems Under the Dome. Yep. So hey, Val, it's all connected. That's right. And what we're about it's is a very cool uh, is advancing. That connection, advance the idea that the, which that one thing leads to another, one person leads to another, and people will come in, have something to say, and they usually say it uh, pretty well. And that's it, the organic process we were referring to earlier. Things just panic. unfold. They don't panic. Keep it organic. No, we right. don't go put, with the uh, flow. That's it. Ooh. See where it takes you. And it's Wear a life jacket. And it took us right here. Fly the kite. A life jacket. Fly that would be a good art uh, project. Offers Richard Sanderell. Yes. Uh, a project that would be a good uh, arts project. Uh, a life jacket. What does life jacket mean? We know literally if you get in a boat, it's going to have a life jacket around just in case the boat sinks. But, uh, there's, but life jacket we can be taken in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Well, we need to get through life itself. Our life jacket, that we all have one. Our life jacket is words. Our life jacket is poetry. But anyway, speaking of words, word, the next word party is uh, going to be on May 16th. Yeah, it's always the third Tuesday of the month. Happens at a venue downtown called Piano Fight. That's yeah, at 144 right. Taylor Street. For all locals, that's the old original Joe's location before it had a big fire. And so 144 Taylor Street at the corner of Taylor and Eddie. And uh, it's a really cool venue. It's free to come in. It's a free show. It's in the big front room, so you can come in. And there's, you know, there's food and drink service, but they don't bug you if you just sit there, too. And uh, it's always a good time. The word party with Nova Jazz, um, headed up by Daniel Hefez, and of course hosted by Jennifer Barone and Ingrid Kier. And Jennifer, who's also a fine poet, an amazing poet on her own right. Oh my goodness. Her contribution to uh, Poems Under the Dome was wow. Yeah. You talk about a poem like an, a poem like an onion, where where things go, where you, she keeps on peeling it and then peeling it and then peeling, getting closer to a personal truth, which you may or may not want to unveil. But she took us on that trip, and I was I stood there mouth agape. Oh yeah, she she always she's a she's a powerhouse poet. She comes out with um, these very deep explorations. Um, that you know just kind of serves it up to you it's it's amazing to watch her and hear her and uh, actually she and Ingrid Kier are doing um, a writing and yoga workshop tomorrow at a a place called the Center SF so go check it out well where is it the Center it's it's called the Center the Center I I don't know the 
address or where it can be found. Address, exactly. We can probably find it eventually. I'm sure we Maybe can. Maybe we will. Well, what sure does she can. say here? Do they have the, uh, the more? What it may say, Tatina Molinari is going to be the next, uh, is, go, is going to be the feature there on the 16th. So come on in and we'll do our best again to continue to be a part of it, to be a voice of all this is happening, the poetry and the resistance. So anyway... I found the information. So Jennifer Barone and Ingrid Kier are doing Embodied Writing Workshop, Movement, Creative Writing, and Tea. And it's... Oh, sorry. It's Sunday, May 7th from 1 to 4 p.m. at a place called The Center SF. That's at 548 Fillmore Street. There we go. Here in San Francisco. Um, So you could find that... They have it on... The tickets are on Eventbrite. Um... Or check them out on, on uh, Facebook. Embodied Writing Workshop. Movement, Creative Writing, and Tea. And uh, hey, so Richard, what do you bring to the feast? Well. Uh, feast of life, the feast of love, the feast. Word feast. Word feast. Word uh, party, yeah. word feast. I'm going to read somebody else's poem first. Uh, the reason is... Uh, this is a poem by Paul Owens the Saver. Did you remember Paul? I know Paul. Of course, I know Owens the Savers. Well, he remember was, him? He's still with us, isn't he? No. He no, passed. He, he passed about two, three months ago. Owens the Saver. Yeah. He was, his name Owens the Saver comes to the fact that his great great grandfather was the one who got the saber that uh, that Custer brought to his last dance, and that was the saber. And, and that it was so important to them that his name became that their name became Owns the Saber as a last yeah saber. Facebook w- w- wouldn't let him use that name well, anyway I didn't know I remember Facebook I didn't anyway. even I didn't know he'd passed I want to take yes, a moment yes he did he was a long walker he walked on three of the longest walks he's a runner for, yeah oh interesting yeah. It was well a he was 74 and um, Paul was also a contraire very uh, much so Contrary is right. A good yeah. name for Paul. <laughs> um, I knew people wouldn't talk to him. I don't think they knew. You know, Paul always gave me uh, uh, a <laughs> grief because I had my stuff all all typed out and done. He said, I don't do that. I don't do that. And the next time I saw him, he was reading off a piece of paper, something he'd written. <laughs> well, it's here. Now this so is anyway, typed out right here. Here he is. It's called uh, Bring My Drum. So I can sing my songs to honor to my grandfather's grandfather. Tonight, my thoughts go out to another place, the land of my grandfather's grandfather. I wonder the thoughts and the feelings of my grandfather's grandfather, closeness of the spirit and awareness of all that is. The coolness of the ripping clear water over many stones that disappear under the banks to the many trees that dance within the wind. The stars to shine so close to the land, the land that is sacred. Bright are the stars at night that dance across the skies, laughing it seems to be the happiness that is bringing the spirituality all around for the generations down the distant road to the meadowlark and to the robin, mixed with the ground sound of the eagle echoing from the sky, and the sound of the many drums, the songs that whisper the names of my grandfather's grandfather, the flute 
to sound the haunting call in the darkness to bring with it the sound, the melody of my grandfather's grandfather. To reach out its message that gives the spirit to me the kinship only my grandfather's grandfather will know. The ages that have left their mark on this grandfather's grandfather's land engraved in the stones that know no age. The flowers the same when my grandfather's grandfathers reached down to smell its fragrance and to say silent word to all of creation, that it remains the same always for the ages that must come. The strong will of my grandfather's grandfather is the spirit of the children's children, now and those whose spirit, blue in color, flicker like the light across the many meadows back home to be born to another time. The whispers of laughter you can hear as the spirits dance over the blades of grass on to the little valley out of the crest of the hill and over to the sounds of the dancing horses of the four colors in step to the sounds that have come from long ago to tell the spirits to come with them to the starlight meadows and dances with them. The bells to sound their cadence to those who hear its spirit sound only for them. Bring my drum so I may sing my song of honor to the spirits that come to see me in the night of the dancing stars, so I may remember that other time when I danced with my grandfather's grandfather so long ago when my land was young. Hecha to yellow. All My Relations Owns a Saber, Sacred Run, Turtle Island, 1992. Owns a Saber. So good that you brought hey, bro. Owens de, sa- de Saber. How do you spell? Owns. Owns. owns the Saber. He has the Saber. He yeah. might as well actually have it still. I don't know. You again. own your head, he owns the Saber. And that's the Saber. S-A-B-E-R-E. That's the saber that uh, Custer yeah. ran into the uh, ran into with, and uh, we had over the Custer's uh, the last the day of Custer, and uh, it was it was Paul's grandfather's grandfather who picked up that saber, yeah. and now East Paul owns the saber. Got it. But now I've just heard that he passed. I didn't know that, so bring him his drum to wherever he happens to be. Paul, you are a contrary spirit. Paul is so good to be a friend of yours to a degree. I remember he liked to... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. You were reminiscing about... Oh, they really... Uh, friendship. This Felipe that really brought us together. Because he, uh, Felipe knows how to connect to people, and I was owns the saber, so we're taking a couple moments of silence and remembering our brother owns the saber. Well, I... Uh, excuse me. I didn't... Boy, I've got a frog in my throat. I didn't actually meet Paul on The Longest Walk, but... Uh, I met him later, uh, but he is in the uh, video, uh, the, the documentary, and uh, uh, I was back still raising uh, funds and stuff for the walk, and uh, the, the guy who was doing the filming uh, did a, a piece on some of the native walkers, and he was one of them, and I heard that cough, and I was at a unThanksgiving, oh, oh, probably 10 years later, and I heard that cough. I knew exactly who that was. Interesting. Yeah, so I Speaking went up to of him. Coffee. Of course, he immediately contrived me off. You know, so, but that's okay. And, I, I, I learned to understand Paul. And I wanted to piggyback on, since that's a Native American longest walk participant, um, 
poem that tonight at the Omni Commons in Oakland, that's 4799 Shattuck Avenue in Oakland at 7.30, there's going to be a film screening of a new film that was part of the Tribeca Film Festival called Awake, A Dream from Standing Rock. Mm. And uh, it, it's got, I mean, it's, it's about Standing Rock. I mean, yeah, it, it's glad somebody a, made, made yeah. Them. Absolutely. So if you want to go out there tonight, the Omni Commons, that's O-M-N-I, Omni Commons uh, on, for, at 4799 Shattuck Avenue in Oakland, starts at 730. That's tonight, May 5th. And I want to give a shout out also to uh, Mary Jean Robertson, who re- really, um, you know, was really, really, really good to Paul. And... Um, you know, provided a place for him, for him to live, and oh, really? you know, so. And of course, Mary Jane. And, uh, yeah, Mary Jane Robinson. You, uh, you know Mary Jane. Well, we go way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We go way, way back. When she started, I forget what connection I had with making it happen, but she did the first Native American show that I know around here called uh, Red Voices. Yeah. On KPOO, and uh, did for years and years and years. Has done for still years. There. And, and still there. And. Uh, a good thing. I'm not sure exactly when it is. I'm not sure at all when it. Do you remember that show? Well, she's there on every Wednesday except the first Wednesday of the month uh, from six to eight. Yeah, give her a listen. Yeah, she combines uh, music from the uh, music from the Rezes with conversation and news of what's happening right now. And of course, what I like to say is where we go from here. What do you have more? Well, give, us more. Um, give us more. All right. Well, I'll do nice stuff here. I just felt I had. Paul needs to be heard. All right. Sky with one white spot. Under sky, gray with small white spot, music caresses, coaxes, tickles, escapes to infinitude. On the hill, oud player, drummer, sits behind belly dancer who claps, clappers, shakes, spins, snakes herself around the circle as she spins around and around and around. Hair flying behind her comes back to the center. Hips move, stomach undulates, feet lightly touches earth so the beats can be seen as they are heard. This is what rhythm looks like, what it can do. This is the kind of thing that makes cold sweat. Happy to be alive. It is a dance of beauty driven by melody and rhythm. Sky with one white spot shines on dancer. Don't let our resident rump kill this cultural beauty. And that was also written by Paul. No, that's me. Oh, that was you. I thought you said you were reading from Paul. No, again. no, I'm reading some, oh, okay. some of my stuff. That sounded I just, more like I just you. Felt, I just felt like I, I said, well, Paul, I noticed as I'm reading, ha, you know, has a rhythm in his, his, his style, too. It was, it was good. Uh, we never left the dark ages. Our world is dark. Look at our cultures, movies, religions, po- politics, wars. We may have learned a few tricks, gained a touch of knowledge, but not much in the essentials of life. The indigenous around the planet who know we kill or maim, just protecting their interests. Shakespeare gave us Macbeth, a warning, a truth. Trust is deceit's best friend, but trust allows itself to be deceived. Give me a kernel of truth of our time. Write us a poem, a love letter that recognizes truth, understanding. Go back to the light, but don't abandon the dark. 
There are many things the angel of sin can provide that drives the black robes crazy. They would prefer we all are unsexed except for pedophile priest and for appropriation missionary style. Tell me this isn't still the dark ages. Rise, rise, rise. Elevate, take us higher. Break through, end the civil war in these dark ages. Embrace, there is no disgrace. That is a poem about love from Richard Sanderell. Hey, watch out. From a loving place. <laughs> Tell me from a loving place. A man of heart. Get him, get him! <laughs> Thanks for being here, Richard. Okay, Richard, that was you, eh? Yeah, that was me. Good, but give us, give us a little more, some more. A little more, well. Yeah. Maybe just some. one more, because one more. One more. we're actually ending the show at 5 o'clock today. Oh, yeah, that's right. So oh, it's, we it's are? Just, well, good. Then yeah. Then yeah. Give us one more, one more, 407. Well, yeah. let me give you an old one. I'll read my new, a new one next week. So oh, okay. Yeah, this is a, a, out to old people. Whoops, that's the wrong one. Out to old people. So organized on that laptop. I see how you have it. He's looking at his laptop. Boomers they call boomers. and he's got a whole list here. It's like a, well, like, it's like a set list. Well, yeah, for, but for a long set. But he's got. Look at that. Well, I know. Wow, how interesting. Well, I'll talk to you about this later. Okay. You know, the, by the, somebody really gave me grief on this. The, 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 by, by this is what he's done and how he's arranged his poetry here on his computer, which you're looking yeah, at now. It's lying to me, brother. Okay, what's this guy? Is he a better guy? I mean, he's a no, better guy. Is he show? I forgot. No, it's for a different thing, Dave. Okay, good. I'll bring Jerry in. Next. Jack. No. So, okay, what's his brother's yeah. name over here? Jack. Jack, pardon me. I'm okay. so hard to name. All right. Usa, you were never that. Why does this keep coming up? Maybe it's because <laughs> it wants to be read. <laughs> uh, well, that's. I can't read that. That'll take me. Oh, here it is. Whew. See, it looked good, didn't it? Okay, here it is. All right. Usa, you were never that great. Usa, someone has to tell you you were never that great. As an empire, just average. Murderous, yes. What helped is stealing a continent, killing, displacing its people, along with stealing other countries' best minds, made them our best, along with a few homegrown. This is another part of Manifest Destiny. Usa hired some of the greatest publicists of the times, and for a time people believed your fine flowery speakers in fine locations proving how much we stole, and I mean earned, excuse me. Uh, we give democracy to the free world, excuse me, we give world democracy, we are the free world. Usa, you've been a gnarly little bastard child up to your numerous tricks. Truth is, you spread your cash around, our cash around the world, buying whomever you can, dictators and all. Mm -hmm. If you can't buy them, you overthrow them and show them what real democracy looks like. Ha. Just wait till you, your citizens find out that all this has been a dress rehearsal for what you've started here and continues today. Unless that is... They continue to believe. Bravo, Richard. And Usa, Usa may work out an acronym, or what do you call it? Usa's USA. I'm USA. spreading it down to L.A. The, 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 uh, the, the, the people came up from L.A., uh, they're going to start saying Usa down there. Usa. Right on. Well, that's like Usa. Yeah, Usa. Spread. Okay. Like Mama always said, you're a trendsetter. Okay, well, keep going with what you do, and we'll keep going with what I do. Thanks, well, Richard. Thank you, guys. And I'm glad you had a great show feature at 
Cafe International last Friday. I'm sorry I didn't wasn't able to make it, but yes, it sounds well, like it went very I, I, well. It had a lot to do with David Erdreich, but uh, 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 the kids were attentive and the young people. Well, that's right? what we're that, looking that at. always happened. Yeah. So I was I was pretty pleased. Yeah, the kids were Excellent. attentive. The young people for a half hour. Yeah, the, the kids were attentive. The young people, their their natural attention span, is kind of implies it's kind of short. Yeah, but you yeah. work on it. We're working on it. It's like blowing into a balloon. Roop. The young people, attention well, that's span. That's what I keep trying to attention. tell the boomers: is hey, look, you know, get out there, spread your wings, fly with youth. I mean, it, that was a night. I it really does happen, and it can happen. So. And that's the millennials, the, the millennials even some of those giving a boost to the boosters. Yeah. Amen. Boosters. Well, anyway, we got some music. Gonna, I'd ask. Yeah, uh, we're gonna play some uh, Patty Smith, yeah, right, I, Dave? Tell I us about it. I think it's coming over that uh, uh, Bob Dylan supposedly. I don't know. Uh, I requested that Patty Smith stand in for him for the Nobel Prize for Literature. Yeah, and yeah. I was just reading a little um, or listening to Patti Smith talk about how um, her mom picked up the Bob Dylan, uh, another side of Bob Dylan, and gave her the album and said, I don't know what this is about, but it looks like somebody you might like. And so Patti Smith, you know, tuned on, turned on and uh, tuned into Bob Dylan, and she's like, and that was it. That was my guy. And that was it. That was his guy, and that was a long, her guy, and that was a long time ago. Other side, I think, was the second, uh, his second. So come on in, brother. And so here, here she is. Most famous songs, A Hard Rain, Say Gonna Fall. Orchestration by Hans Eyck. Performed by Patti Smith. Stumbled alongside of twelve misty mountains I've walked and I've crawled down six crooked highways I've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests Been out in front of a dozen dead oceans Been ten thousand miles on the mouth of a graveyard It's a hard it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard rain's gonna fall. What did you see, my blue-eyed son? What did you see, my darling young one? Saw a newborn babe with wild wolves all around it Saw a highway of diamonds with nobody on it I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping I saw a babe that was just bleeding I saw a babe that... I'm sorry Earth, saw ten 
sorry. I'm sorry. Could we start that section? I apologize. Sorry, I'm so nervous. <laughs> So a newborn babe with wild wolves all around it So a highway of diamonds with nobody on it I saw a black branch with blood that kept dripping So a room full of men whose hammers were bleeding a solo white ladder all covered with water So ten thousand talkers whose tongues were all broken I saw guns and sharp swords in the hands of young children And it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard But did you hear my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? Heard the sound of the thunder that roared out a warning Heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world Heard one person laughing, heard many people laughing Heard nobody listening Heard one person starve, heard many people laughing Heard the song of a poet who died in the gutter Heard the sound of a clown that cried in the alley it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart rings gonna fall. Who did you meet, my blue-eyed son? And who did you meet, my darling young one? I met a young child beside a dead pony. I met a young man in had a black dog. I met a young woman whose body was burning. I met a young girl, she gave me a rainbow. I met young man, he was wounded in love. I met another man, he was wounded in hatred. It's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart, it's a heart rings gonna fall. What do you do now, my 
blue-eyed son And what do you do now, my darling young one? I'm going back out for the rain starts of falling I'm going down deep in the deepest black forest Where the people are many and their hands are all empty Where the pellets of poison are flooded their waters Where home in the valley makes a damp dirty prison Executioner's face is always well hidden Where hunger is ugly, where souls are forgotten Where black is the color, where none is the number And I'll tell it and think it and speak it and breathe it And reflect from the mountains so all souls can see it stand in the ocean until I start sinking I don't know myself well if I start singing it's a hard 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 rains are gonna fall Wow, that was Patti Smith uh, performing the Nobel Prize ceremony for Bob Dylan, who won the Nobel Prize for Literature just this past year of 2016. That was a pretty moving performance. I, I was watching it, so I was. It, it's you can find it out there, um, NobelPrize.org website or the. Um, or YouTube has it, Patty Smith. Um, well, what it must have been felt to her to be somehow picked. But it seemed, I believe that, that she was picked by Dylan. Yeah. That he got the word to her. I don't know if he talked to her, they talked directly, but, but he got the word to her somehow. Yeah. Could you sit in for me for, uh, for this day for my Nobel Prize thing? Yeah, she and said she was nervous. She actually started singing and sang a couple of verses, and then she stopped. And, and she said, I'm sorry, can we start over? Yeah. And she said, sorry, I'm so nervous. And all of these gracious people just, you know, applauded. Well, of course, I mean, everything made me be nervous. That's being sitting in the hot seat. In the hot seat. And did he choose it? He said, Patty, he said, Patty uh, can you sit in for me? And I like you to play. I like you to sing and play. Hard rain's gonna fall, because if that's the message you want to give to the world, having won the Nobel Prize for Literature, yeah, the first folky, the first thing to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. So how could I be? He did though, and the song he picked was from way back then, where he's predicting that hard rain's gonna fall. Yeah, and just looking at all of the. Uh the uh, the the ugly ugliness the ugly side of things and um, but making people look at it well that's what you know? we're talking and let's about. hope that hard rain falls and, and washes it clean what was happening people are getting out there so hey uh, Jack Jack Melander Melander did you get to any of those marches and maybe you uh, <laughs> the marches and parades that happened in the past few months 
No, no, but I was in a bunch of them back in the 60s and 70s. Well, this is now the, 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 the thousands now, the 2017, where it's happening again. Yeah. The 60s, early 70s, I was there too. We're both gray beards. <laughs> Old guys, I'm 79. Are you in your 60s? I'm 73. 73, well, you're in the same, we're in the same decade. Yeah. Another old motherfucker. Yeah. Anyway. One of my favorite uh, words is septuagenarian. Okay, septuagenarian. That means they're 70. <laughs> well, let's see. Well, That's it's looking back and looking forward and looking around. as they dancing sideways down the ribbon of time. The path ahead lit by the echo behind. And echo is we're talking about some of those marches that took place in the 60s and 70s about, about another half-forgotten war and more called the Vietnam War. But here we are again. So let's hear you, Jack. Okay, well, this poem is called It's All My Fault. It's all my fault. I signed up. They had me type. Left, right, halt, sit, copy, board. Order, drop your pants in the orderly room because my unlaundered uniform smelled ripe. I gave in. My confidence shook. Until now, just look. Office factotums of keyboard everywhere. Screens and computers tied on. Seeing it happen, I've been so floored. My inaction caused all of this gloom and wage slaves to the 1%. Oh, my poor colleagues on whom I should fawn. My collusion was without intent. It's all my fault. I saw it coming. What the media is trying to do to us, besides entertain and inform, unbecoming to show graphic scenes, they make such a fuss of psychic or physical sexual mayhem or torture delivered in cinema then on TV. Bought up home videos of groin accidents to them is fair that's preferred by a citizenry with a musical track. To those screens of desensitize or power divide, I admit I'm the one who kept silently watching, so I must apologize. With positive passions, more our kind of fun, I thought it was gracious and showing some ruth, but I had forgotten that beauty is truth. I must claim the fault, suspected were fated, the lies were there, should have extrapolated. The equal chance at happiness we're told we get when behind the ears we're still quite wet becomes the need to toil for subsistence wage. The nice policeman they say kids should trust gives karate chop pat-downs, backroom outrage, not protection or service, but a torture bust. As in families, infant sibling empathy, in society, populist sympathy, and later those arrested for the protests we see are put up against the wall by the powers that be. I'm the one who didn't hold free love together in a world of possessiveness and jealousy, though my buddy and I couldn't be sure whether our girls, having ravished us thoroughly, couldn't just up and do the same for another. And when we asked them, heard them agree that my buddy and I could be those other. Ah, we four had commitment and variety till the draft wrote my friend, and he grew quite thin. So since one of our girls had an aunt who could cover their expenses till his 4F deferment came in, they left. Four people now, each just one lover, living as couples in estrangement sin. When school, which canceled banned and art long since, to stop phys ed but double lunch hour tries, and overeating children make parents wince, blame me to sedentary stresses wise I couldn't my co-desk workers convince the balm for our discomforts exercise. Twas sitting, class and office, 16 hours a day inspired my half hour morning jogs, not my own insights, energizing powers, workouts or epicures in stoic togs. Arduous aerobics are invigorating fun to free sprites from weariness that mind had begun. I couldn't make it obvious to everyone. Wow, now that's, a, that's a history lesson. That's your own history, eh? Yeah. Uh, looking back uh, to look where you are now. So where do you live? Do you live in a room? Do you have a room somewhere? Or what, what, what's I, I, I live in a, in, a, in a room in a house uh, up in the 
Clipper in uh, Snowy Valley. Oh, that's nice. And then you sat there, you typed that out, thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, you typed that, wrote that poem, that one thing led to another as you're writing that poem. Is that right? Yeah, I was just figuring, like, um, you know, I'm old and I've been back since the 60s, and I saw all these people out protesting and organizing in the 60s, and I saw everything happen. I said, what what happened? And how, how, how and, I, and I just, all of, every way along the line, I'm going to write a poem, all the places along the line that things didn't get done and the, the older people failed the young new people and I said it's all my fault so I well I saw that Amanda. that's interesting but to a degree this is history so you can you can uh, you look at both sides but then it can emerge on the positive sides all that did happen the fact is still here but you spent most of your working life then as a kind of a wage slave is that right what did you do yeah I, I was a medical transcriptionist and usually in the middle of a cellar in a hospital typing and listening to the doctors describe all their operations and everything and wow. typing away for, for next to nothing. Mostly women did a job, but I was there. Uh, and here you are now. And now you're writing creatively and, and shedding insight what? on like the, the time well, passing and generations and... It, like the, the the free love generation you mentioned there, and, uh, yeah, but then it kind of falling well, apart. Well, huh? we all had our free love generation. A lot of us had our free love generation. Some of us had our free love day, uh, relations. But all too soon, here we are. And so what we can do is support ourselves. You at 73, and me at 75, and Richard here in the 60s, going on 72. What we can do to support ourselves, and this is a chance to pass it on, because we had this nothing to like this technology back then, but now we have a technology where we can sit and talk and be heard around the planet on the internet. And Richard, did you know that we had over over four almost four thousand five hundred downloads last month alone? Well, so, so people are listening. Great. Well, that's great. People are listening, and they're out there. And they're checking in on their handheld device or on their on their hand, on their laptop to hear the show because they want to hear what they have to show and what we have to what we have to share with them. Well, so it's, they, it's important for people like uh, us elders to let the the youth know what it was like uh, because they only get their their parents' generation's view of it uh, by their parents or maybe their aunt and uncle. Uh, but there's a whole varied of stories out there. And there's all kinds of truth that were that that has not been told to them, and that's why it's important. Uh, the Jacks out there doing it, and hopefully yeah, you're out there doing right. it. Yeah, it is. This, this old fart here is still doing it. Oh, I'm the I'm the average age old fart. And we can say to old fart. Uh, it's old guy fart a lot. Yeah, because you, if you, you put it, fart a lot when you're aging from an old fart. You pass more. If you put is that what it is? All of you know, if you put all of your lifespans together, you, the three of you right here over have over two hundred years of life experience oh to, to share. About Think about that, twenty-one. And when when aging gets old, you then youthen. Okay, well, you then here we be. So cross those generational lines, and that there's the fact that our gen that we we're representatives of that generation, but we have no desire to give up yet, no desire to quit, no to put it out. You can do it out to us to put it out and to bring those words. Like you remember the 60s and 70s, the early 60s, the early 70s, when people were out on the streets, the Rolling Stone had written that song, Street Fight Man. Why don't you find that? Rolling Stone, Street Fight Man. We can play that and uh, in context. So, hey, thanks for coming, Jerry. You're always welcome. Thank Jack? You.
Thank you very much. Diane. Yeah, you're welcome anytime here. And you're listening to the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm, San Francisco's Mission District. I'm Global Val here with Diamond Dave and all our friends. I'm going to play a little more music for you. And then we've got just about half hour left of the show. Today we're ending early at 5 o'clock. Here's another track from Courage Lost Coast. in action and the library lady is here hello Allison thanks for coming hi there the library lady is Allison she's a library lady because she is indeed a librarian she means she has a library degree and is right there at the mission branch and she's a good person to look for look behind the the counter at the computer person the the computer lady and the library lady and you'll find Ellison and here's Ellison right now so Ellison tell us what's going on okay there's I can't believe it myself there's actually more going on in May than in April and April was like 
National Poetry Month, and there was Dia de los Niños. It was one thing after the other, and it ended yeah. with Poems on the Dome, and I'm going to talk about that when I wrap up a little bit of library news. All right, library news. So, um, there's an Immigrant Services Programs schedule now on the library website, sfpl.org. You can also check out citizenshipworks.org, imi.org, which is immi.org, or the other organizations that are helping us here at Mission Branch, Saturday, May 13th, to put on a program called Conozca Sus Derechos, Know Your Rights. That program will be in Spanish. It'll be presented by SFILEN. It's a network of immigrant services. Look it up, SFILEN.org. They're doing two programs with us. The next one will be in June. I'll talk about that again, June 28th. But the first one, Saturday, May 13th. Call us at Mission Branch or check our Facebook. And please feel free to call us to get the whole program. Um, a huge number of programs just talking about what are your rights, who to call in an emergency, and um, understanding your legal options. Um, SFILEN helped put that together with friends of the San Francisco Public Library who also helped us with the Dia de los Niños. Thank you. Um, Friends of the Library is the place you want to call if you ever want to volunteer Beautiful. with the library. Excellent. Well, thanks. So and they so support Poems Under the Dome, the Friends do, the Friends of the San Francisco that's Library right. every I actually year. I had spotted one of their posters, one of the Poem Under the Dome posters at Book Bay. Um, so on with May. I brought the little teeny goldenrod Mission Branch Library May calendar just to check out a couple of other quick things because it is also Digital Inclusion Week next week Digital at Inclusion San Francisco week. Public oh Library. Goodness. Again, there's a huge set of events all over the place, including a panel discussion with uh, Supervisor Mark Farrell and many others. That'll be at the main. Um, Mission Library will host Digital Photo Workshop. Digital Photo Workshop. And they? that'll be next Thursday oh in the afternoon. Um, of course, I'm holding the calendar. Here it is. Dealing with your digital photos. <laughs> Thursday, May 11th, 3 to 5 p.m. And um, there's going to be a great presenter. They're going to demonstrate iPhone, smartphone, iPad, tablet, just Bring whatever you've got, or just bring yourself, and um, bring it'll be a little bit help. of everything. And it'll help guide you through what to what you don't know, away, because there's always things to know, and that's digital inclusion on your on your yeah. handheld device or whatever. So that's it. And thank that's you. It. Did you want to read some Dylan Thomas? I'd like to. Well, uh, now see. Now I'm going to put on my other hat after I do a quick shout out to Mission Community Market because they had a great grand opening oh, last goodness. Sunday at La Placita. So, okay. Now I'm putting on my other hat. Okay. Um, here, here we go. The person that likes to come here every Friday 
um, whose name is Allison B., and who got to read a poem, Poems Under the Dome. That's right. Your name got pulled out of the hat. I don't know how I got pulled <coughs> out of the hat. Um, but that's it how was it Mer- happened. It was Mercury retrograde. That's what E.K. said. Everything's going to go wrong. And was I ready when my name got pulled out of the hat? It took me a few minutes, but I wanted to thank all of you. It was a really wonderful opportunity. And I brought a book that I'd like to leave here, oh, leave here. for Dave and Val. So when poems wander in, and poets wander in, that is not poems, but poems wander in too. But when poets wander in, maybe they feel like reading something, or maybe they feel like hearing something. This book, The Collected Poems of Dylan Thomas, um, will inspire um, every yeah. Friday. Well, thank you. Write something in it, will you? I would then, love to read something two. in here. Oh, I'll just read. read something really fast. Okay. Maybe I should let you read it, Dave. You can close with that. And um, Wait, which did you want me? Which did you want? Uh, did you have a selection? I. Well, here. Why don't you well, let's bring them I up? Because time is. Yeah. Time is go, yeah. Go find find tight. one. Yeah. Thank you, Allison. And uh, yeah, if you find one and we have time at the end, we'll have uh, Dave read it, or we can read it. Yeah, and Bloodflower is going to do a reading too. And we've got uh, some new friends here, Ryan and Rachel. Come on down, have a seat. Thank you. Hey, Dave. That's right. And that's just fine. And Rachel and I are fellow students at City College. So we're talking about that city, in the city, on the planet, and in the street. That's where you might find us, uh, that's for sure. That's where life is about, that's for sure. Students of life. Students of life. Students of hey, life. Here, Dave. As I'll I tell said, you learn to love, love to learn. This never ends. Never here, ends. Dave, why don't you just use this mic and you can talk to them. Never ends. Thank you. Well, Rachel, Ryan. Ah, yes, here we are. Uh, welcome. Hello. Thank I you. said if everybody Greetings. brings what they have to oh, bring, yes, nobody goes without. So what do you want to bring to the mix? Oh, well, um, I've got some words that I've written and a little song that I've constructed as well. I know, the um, song I mean, he's constructed as well. Yes, yes. He's an intelligent fellow, I can tell. Oh, you know, I mean, uh, right in the middle here. <laughs> so um, I wrote this when I was in New York City about a year ago, and um, this is just a little bit of the way that I was feeling. My name is Ryan Menchaca. Oh, to return to what's left undone, to return to the future of works ahead, waving with stained smile. It all happened so fast, I still can't keep up, industriously clad and permanently under the filter of flaming contrast. Stock scores, gift stores, bridge gap, ref- graffitied map. Scraper's script reflecting inevitable friends. Life started to hip and hopped into action like bees buzzing towards the hive that isn't home. The air is cool and the sun will set far beyond the furthest scraper's ability to stand tall. A golden tunnel like an arrow pointed to heated orb, bawling in space, since see you later is never easy. It would take only ten minutes to rekindle your flame as I'm still awake, old pal. Show on and over as fast as butterflies flitter off into Memorial Park abyss. Come spring, uncomfortably primed. Oh my goodness. That's like life is a guy leaves with a question mark. Life leaves with a question mark of where we go. What was that last word? Uncomfortably primed? Uh, uncomfortably primed. Uncomfortably primed. <laughs> so I found that uh, uncomfortably uh, speaking, um, the comfortability lies within my uncomfortability at times. Well, it's your youth, and it's your youth, and how you deal with the youth that keep going forward. And that was New York City. 
New York City. And here we are in San Francisco. Wow, all the way so over here. So you must have been all the way across the prairies it's and the mountain ranges and the, and the Midwest and all that. But here you are. It's so mm. good to have you here. Oh, thank and you. Now, you're, now, we're, now we're putting out around the planet on the Internet. Mm. So there you be. Straight this be whatever kind of month it is. Yes. Whatever month it is, we can use these social tools to get the word around. So how about you, Rachel? Did you have something you'd like to do? I don't have anything. I'm just bringing the talent in. I'm just a okay, scout. She's, the, she's inspiring me, so I'm gaining the energy yeah. to all right here we go this is a song i wrote it's called uh, i just want to make you happy I just wanna make you happy, so I'll try. Tripping up and down, and now we're seeing eye to eye. Story told unfolds just like the lie I'd like to keep. Just an anchor on my back to drown myself to sleep. Everybody else before I give myself a chance To really blow and show you that I still know how to dance And lovers weep when love is shed like blood on the dance floor Hazy days, the maze I've made it through and out the door Somewhere far out west is where I lost my last two cents So now I sit inside my head and try to make a sensation The learning curveball smashed the window of my selfish pride And drove my anchor off the cliff into the ocean tide I just wanna make you happy, so I'll try Tripping up and down the west coast, we're seeing eye to eye Story told unfolds just like the lies I'd like to keep The truth I'd like to reap No more anchor on my back, so now I'll gently sleep Nice. Lousy. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Very Good cool, tips. Ryan. Thank you. Interesting. Appreciate it. <laughs> speaking your truth. <laughs> speaking your truth. What you do right there. Well, hey, you two. Well, thanks for coming in. Oh, yeah. Thanks for You're always welcome. You're always welcome. Yeah. You're always welcome. You. Yeah. Next time you bring a guitar if you have, because sometimes there's not a guitar here. Yes. But a guitar is what yeah. you do. Sometimes there is. Yeah. But sometimes. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it does. It. it happens yeah. once in a while. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And do you ever? Do you ever do other like music or perform in other places? Yeah, yeah. So I, I've done a lot of traveling um, as just an independent musician, but I've actually been a hire on uh, for c certain groups in the um, Nebraska region. Uh, shout out to Icky Blossoms. Shout out to Twinsmith, Saddle Creek Records. Shout out to Jagajaw. Um, all of my friends there in the Midwest. Right um, on. Yeah. So can people find your music and things online, like things that you've done, or it's uh, a little it's, bit? It's up and coming, and, okay. and if they stumble onto it one day, uh, I hope that it means something to them. And uh, until then, 
we're all just kind of uh, trying to make sense of the chaos. Totally. That is the art. That is the art. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Actually, Great. yeah, that's that well said. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, whatever, however you may be out there trying to make sense of the chaos, know you kind of have a home here at Mutiny Radio here in San Francisco. We're in the Mission District, 2781 21st Street. Come on down on a Friday. We're usually here from 3 to 6. Uh, today we're wrapping up in just about 15 minutes, a um, little early end today. But really nice to meet you two. And you as well. Thank yeah. you for us. Welcome yeah. anytime. All right. Step closer to the ocean Shades of iridescent Green and blue Swells approach Finally break into shallow water The sand blows in your face Fills your shoes Had you been lost Holding on to loose ground Already run out of places could run to waves tumble and toss trees staring like ghosts as the fog rolls in on the lost coast all right a little more music from Carrage lost coast and now the library lady has found in the the dylan thomas book a poem to share go for it Hi, I just want to thank you guys again for Poems Under the Dome. Looking forward to next year, sometime in April. I turn the corner of prayer and burn in a blessing of the sudden sun. In the name of the damned, I would turn back and run to the hidden land but the loud sun christens down the sky I am found oh let him scald me and drown 
me in his world's wound. His lightning answers my cry. My voice burns in his hand. Now I'm lost in the blinding one. The sun roars at the prayer's end. And that was Dylan Thomas. This is his collected poems. And I hope it will be be here for a while maybe under the soundboard <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much what a gift and what, what was did, do you know the name of that poem or um, it's from a longer set oh it's an excerpt it's an excerpt from a longer set vision and prayer so cool thank you for bringing dylan thomas into mutiny radio we do appreciate having poetry on hand and from a librarian at at that that's so appropriate thank you allison happy you got to read it at city hall last week and like you like we said uh poems in the dome 13 sometime in april of 2018 all right we're rolling along here we've got about 10 more minutes so uh blood flower get ready if you can hear me out there but we got gary in here Gary's got a some uh, message to share with us today. What's going on, Gary? Well, this week I'm here to talk about Melanita, unfortunately, Barara, and cock holsters. I don't know what you're talking about. Stephen Colbert on Monday night said uh, during his show that the only thing Donald Trump's mouth was good for was to be used as Putin's cock holster. Yes. It's, is that on the air? It is the single most important act of resistance so far in 2017. He did He did tear into him. I did see that. And they bleeped uh, it out, Dave, on TV. They, they, but it is forever the bleep that will be silent as a mouse. It is the bleep that will roar because the attention in this unflattering way is exactly what I'm talking about when I say talk about Putin forward slash Trump every chance you get, preferably as unflatteringly in their homophobic tiny little minds as possible. There's been criticism that this is a homophobic attack, and I say it is perfectly appropriate for a man who's bragging about having a concentration camp for gays in a section of his nation that he bombed flat twice to be called anything. So uh, it's absolutely positively uh, the most effective strike in the meme war. God bless Stephen Colbert, fellow Northwestern. Donald Trump's mouth is only good to be used as Putin's cock holster. Oh my goodness. Putin's cock holster. Donald Trump needs to have t-shirts sent to everybody by everybody to the White House that say Putin's cock holster on the t-shirt <laughs> instead of a national campaign. But there are other things, even though that <laughs> is an immensely yeah, important, yeah, we only have a very sincerely, left. sincerely <laughs> important, Barahra is the most important news I read about this week. He was one of 46 federal prosecutors that Donald Trump ordered to resign right. on March 10th. He was rumored to be the target that the resignation order was really uh, disguised attack on Barara. He refused and was fired the next day. Uh, What happened in between, we found out this week, was he shipped a truckload of Trump and Trump-related RICO and FARA documents to the Attorney General of New York State. Now, the importance of this RICO case that is apparently forming up in New York State, the Attorney General hired Preet Barara's second-hand man 10 days later. 
after the shipment of these documents over. Presidential pardons only cover federal crimes. A governor must pardon for state crimes. Now, generally, precedence means that federal prosecutions that parallel state prosecutions have the state prosecutions folded in. So you could argue that director comedies shaping up investigations and prosecutions possibly of Trump are a stalking horse to consolidate future state cases in front of a favorable federal judge and any convictions would be pardonable by Trump or his successors. So this is actually a real federalist issue, legitimate, nonviolent, but it is a state's rights issue that we really have to begin to rally about because, honestly, going through the federal courts has proven to fail. I, I was humiliated to hope the Supreme Court would take this off our hands earlier this year. Well, look, uh, to be continued. Oh, uh, Melania uh, thing. Mel- over here. Hold on, to be continued. <laughs> and certainly we're waiting now for another shoe to fall, another shoe to fall, which is uh, the revelations about the role of uh, Putin, the Russian Secret Service, Russian Intelligence Services, American Intelligence, and, uh, and Putin, and his uh, and Trump and Trump's election. So we're waiting to be continued, but we got to go on now sure. because we're about to show up. Thanks, Gary, sure. for coming on in your very intelligent fashion. And your great uh, command of the English language, giving an idea of what's happening. But the Bloodflower uh, is going to take us out with a poem. I'm putting on my poet's hat as we speak. Exciting times here. Uh, I really, I don't really title my poem, so this is the third draft of a notebook poem recently written for springtime, because I know springtime, everybody digs springtime. For days in the form of sunless hours, I craved the hummingbird's return to the small white cottages dwarfed by progress. They harbor the lemon and lime trees where the hummingbirds sport. The colors are fading. The colors on the block are fading. The flavors are spiceless and bland. The sad, the sandbags, the sadness, the scrabble, the razor wire gathering the displaced tip shakers in provocative rhythms, our only hit and run. They call what they can from the mounting evidence of decline, a loneliness that aches like loss, a cold, lonely day without companionship. This I called winter, a rain that seems to wash the colors away. I want a colorful realm, dig. Bursting with bird song and rhythm and clack. Watch the days. It is as if the days lengthen in the twilight of time. Even the meteor showers have ceased. I crave the return of the hummingbird, their manic movements, their fierce colors, the rhythms of the hovering and sporting, tiny vehicles and carriers of the hum of the ohm, the jewel in the heart of the barrio, the hummingbird. The hummingbird brings also the craving of the return of the wild parakeets with their chuckles and clicks. Their outrageous colors in their wisdom eyes. I crave that eucalyptus diesel dawn of the block that no algorithm can bleach out or silent. Like the first crocus, the first robin redbreast, 
alerting us in movement, color, and song to the possibilities of the sweetest of springtimes. Thank you. Yeah, right on. This past May 1st, uh, May Day. Beautiful. That's why they danced on the Maypole. That's why they jumped over the fires at midnight. The joy of spring. The joy of spring. The beauty of spring. uh, Anyway, the joy of spring. Uh, Halfway between the equinox and the solstice, here we were. Persephone. Here we be. And play what the hell. Persephone is back from the underworld. Uh, I love that story. That, well, that Greek lot. myth. Thanks hey, thanks, okay. Bloodflower. Thanks, thanks for playing uh, music and reading about? poetry on the show today. Okay. So there we are, Val. That's it, Dave. And we're, we're right tight on 5 o'clock. Just about. And I think uh, we, we got the last few shows have been pretty well spoken word shows, but we don't know it is what it is. And they come together as they come together. And hey, Val, I think it's pretty beautiful. Thanks for all you do. Common Thread Collective. My pleasure, Dave, and thanks so much, everybody, for being a part of the show. And uh, we'll be back next Friday from 3 to 6. But right now, we're going to clear out and uh, get going, because I gots to go, and that means so do you. And so uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to MutinyRadio.fm. And it was pretty exciting to see our stats go up in April. 4,400 downloads in April. Thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. And maybe that's why you listen. Yeah, word, is getting, word is getting around, and let's kind of keep it around, and around and around we go. That's right. Take it's it away, Val. Take it out, It's all Val. about the love. Peace. We love you. Another step closer to the ocean. Shades of iridescent, green and blue. Wells approach and finally break into shallow water. The sand blows in your face and fills your shoes. Had you been lost, holding on to loose ground. Already run out of places you could run to. Waves tumble and toss, trees staring like ghosts. As the fog rolls in, on the lost coast Another step deeper in the tide zone Surf the crest, somehow rise above Get perspective on these unprotected waters Like the pelicans, the cormorant sand gulls Broken reflections, a sea of shattered glass, burned out Chevrolet from 52. If you want to hear more of this music, check out CarrageLostCoast.com, K-A-R-A-G-A, LostCoast.com. And uh, I'm going to be playing a, a podcast, this is actually from last summer, June of 2016, so I hope you enjoy, and stay tuned. At 6 o'clock will be the Happy Hour Comedy Open Mic, followed by Pyam Tastis Comedy Clubhouse starting at 8. And thanks so much for listening to Mutiny Radio. We're so happy to be here, and we hope you'll join us sometime.
advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports. Vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio FM has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's Underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. Want to go to Burning Man, but you don't have the right goggles, costume, or attitude? Visit 20 Mission Hive at 2415 Mission Street between 20th and 21st in the heart of the Mission District. Easily accessible by BART, this collective of unique artists and vendors has eclectic handmade clothing, leatherwork, artisan jewelry, antiques, crystals, and there's even an amazing florist. Whisper pirate ship.
it in Wii. We got it in Wii to change reality. To change reality. That was uh, Sacred Red. That was um, Sea Star from the Big Island. Oh, so beautiful. She said that she got it in me to change reality, and I'll just say, we got it within we to change reality. And that's what we're about here. That's right. Happy Friday. This is the Common Thread Collective here at MutinyRadio.fm. And I want to say Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Peace. I want to say Happy Freya's Day. And uh, uh, if people don't know, I'm about to, uh, I'm about to take off, uh, uh, well, I'm about to go off on my on my on my North American tour. Yep. But you'll be holding it down. I will. I will, and you'll be our far out, far flung correspondent, every, calling in on Fridays. Every Friday, I'll call in with the phone in my hand. Yep. I'm talking about Missoula, Minneapolis, points in between, New York City, and then before we get off, off, uh, off we'll have to look the off, off the, the grid, off the grid, and the Rainbow Gathering, and the Green Mountains of Vermont, all of that, uh, and then afterwards. We're, we're uh, afterwards I'm going down to uh, Philadelphia with Felipe, hopefully getting a caravan together and, uh, and, uh, and feeding the people. And I'm calling it, this is the first time you're here on this station, I'm calling it Occupy Philly, Occupy Liberty during the Democratic Convention. And inviting the Bernie delegates, be sure to come on, don't give up. Come on through. I hope Bernie will issue a new manifesto saying all your delegates, there's hundreds of Bernie delegates who have never done this before, were elected uh, outside of the political structure. He's not a Democrat, remember, he's a Democratic Socialist. And I hope they come to town and we'd be occupying, and that's a dream I have. Well... May the dreams come true. Well, that's today, too. It's a question of saying a planet on the planet to a degree. Well, anyway, we got Ubi. We do have Ubi. We're going to play because uh, even when things get a little just out of hand, Ubi lets us know, don't worry so much. Everything's going to be, gonna be all, right. all right. Oh, my God. 
Thank you, Ubi, for letting us know everything is going to be all right. Thanks for listening to the Common Thread Collective here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. I'm here with Diamond Dave, and I'm here with James Zealous, who's our guest interviewer today, um, because we have a, a rather esteemed guest, an author and poet and scholar, uh, Mr. Peter Dale Scott. So, uh, James Zealous, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Global Val. Um, I say I'm very excited uh, to be here at the Common Thread Collective and to have uh, our guest who will be in in a moment, and Mr. Peter Dill Scott. Peter, I'm, I'm definitely here. I'm definitely in a good, good situation. Uh, James is going to be interviewing you in a bit later. I might have some questions to jump in and uh, jump in. It's good to hear your voice again. Hey, Peter. Yeah, I'm here. I'm looking forward to this. Well, we're doing it. The past shakes hands of the future to the now, right now. Take it away, James. Welcome to the Common Thread Collective, Mr. Scott. Uh, Welcome. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Very good. Um, your work was brought to my attention by our poet laureate of the United States Emeritus, Mr. Robert Hass, who uh, wrote an essay uh, uh, describing uh, one of three books you wrote, a very unique trilogy, Seculum. Uh, the first of those three books is what Mr. Hass uh, wrote an, uh, an essay about and can be found in uh, What Light Can Do. And that was your book, Coming to Jakarta. I hope you could share with us today some thoughts on that trilogy. I understand you have some recent work, a, a book about the writing of the trilogy. Is that correct? Well, yes, well, that book is still in process. The, the poem, uh, Coming to Jakarta, it occupied me for a decade in the 1980s. I began, I was acutely depressed in 1980 for a number of reasons which come up in the poem, one of them being the election of Ronald Reagan. Uh, and I wrote it very quickly, almost on impulse, in about six weeks, and then spent uh, eight years refining it and rewriting it. And the course of that time, um, Bob Hass, uh, he and I were both teaching at Cal at that time, and he gave it to a a version of it to his class to read. And uh, then I got some input from the class, and one of the people in the class actually helped me a lot. The occasion for the poem is the massacre in Indonesia in 1965, where still a lot of people in America are not very aware of the fact, I mean, all the devastation being done by ISIS now is is nothing, really, compared to. We don't know how many people were killed. A, a, a low estimate, the lowest estimate is about 250,000. The safe estimate is uh, half a million, but a lot of people believe it was more than a million, maybe even as much as two million. And, of course, nothing ISIS has done begins to compare to that. <clears throat> and the targets were, first of all, the, the, the Communist Party in Indonesia, which was the, the most westernized uh, party in Indonesia. In a sense, uh, pro, people with Western ideas were the targets of this massacre. And in this case, uh, I believed and had written that the CIA was uh, helping out, and British intelligence, MI6, were helping out. And this just made me feel terrible that uh, there was this massacre, it had happened, and nobody knew about it in America. And that's what uh, led to a kind of, uh, 
I, I thought of it as a breakdown time. I think it was really more like some kind of panic attack. The, it, the, the attack lasted only 12 hours or so through a night when I couldn't sleep. But I began to write my way out of it, and uh, I did a lot of very rapid writing, not knowing where it was going. I didn't know it was going to be a poem about about Jakarta or about Indonesia until I'd written about 20 pages. Anyway, that's the book that caught Bob Hass's attention, other people's attention, too. It's my best-known poem, I think. And um, and uh, so, yes, he, at the time, he said it was the most important political poem to have been written in the English language for a very long time. So that made me feel better. I went from being very depressed to feeling much better that my depression had led to a product other people liked. As many authors write to heal, this is a poem of healing. It is germane to the conversation, I would, I would argue, as we look at the security state, at the activities yes, of the NSA. I felt that it, it very much was a, a, a process of healing for me, uh, but I feel that uh, there's some kind of analogy to the way that uh, nations heal. This has been particularly difficult for Indonesia because what happened as a result of the massacre was the imposition of a political dictatorship, military dictatorship, um, and the man who came in in 1965 was there until he was ousted for corruption in 1998. And even for a decade after that, the military still ran the country, and you were not allowed to mention the massacre unless you called it the PKI Gestapo, in other words, blaming it on the PKI, which is the Communist Party. The Communist Party did not inaugurate this massacre. They were the victims of it, and they were blamed for it for the, uh, there was a coup attempt, which was, I think, a false flag attempt blamed on the communists. And uh, for, so until, I think, 19, 2007 or something, I think quite recently, you could go to jail if you didn't, if you mentioned the massacre and didn't blame it on the PKI. And they had a, a whole warehouse full of textbooks that were destroyed in 2007 because uh, they had failed to do the obligatory thing, blame it on the PKI. So uh, the country now is getting out of that, and there have been two movies, by an American, Josh Oppenheimer, both of them nominated for an Oscar, by the way, long feature documentaries. First one, The Act of Killing. <clears throat> the second one, The Look of Silence, and because they were on the internet and the government could do nothing about it, Indonesia is now waking up, so to speak, beginning to talk about this thing, having conferences about it. They're going, I think, it's been decided by the government that they will have a, some kind of truth and conciliation, reconciliation process. So uh, you can, t there has been a great healing and art in the form of these two movies uh, played a big role in that act of healing. And if I could m blow my own horn here, I got an unsolicited email from this Josh Oppenheimer, who 
I had never met or heard of until then, saying that he had been influenced by my poem and by my prose in making the movies. So there's, um, you know, that, that really makes me feel good that art can have a good social function. I, for, uh, for 20 years, I thought I'd been totally useless and that my art wasn't affecting anything at all. But I have a better feeling about it now because of Josh Oppenheimer's movies. Uh, well, well, I'm, I'm just going to jump in with one question. I've been reading late, getting to what uh, two archipelagos, the Indonesia, where the massacres took place, and the Philippines. Now, yeah, as I know, in the Philippines, there's archipelago. been... Archipelago, one blends into the other. That's what I'm talking about. Before the coming of the, uh, the Dutch and the, the, the Dutch and the Spanish, they were blended perfectly. They were blended fine, but uh, but now we have two archipelagos. That's one through uh, through just uh, political boundaries. One is the Philippines, where they did have those those discussions, where there was not uh, the kind of massacre. In fact, discussions did take place between the Communist Party of the Philippines, the New People's Army, and the and and the government, and they seem to have come to that uh, kind of uh, kind of a truce. Yeah, a kind of a truce. Were there two well, Philippines, Red Philippines, and trouble? I think, and the man they've just elected in the Philippines. Uh, I, I haven't really researched him, but I've seen allegations that he was in charge of repressive units that were some people have called death squads. So they're they're not free of violence, but there's nothing nothing like the violence that you had. This kind of huge frenzy. It was. It, it went, I think, beyond what anyone had originally imagined. The, the, the army certainly started the massacring, but uh, it, 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 people went berserk. And there were, uh, of course, there were a lot of personal vendettas. If, if you owed money to somebody, the simple thing was to kill them and so on. But yes, it was uh, the, the result of colonialism uh, was was bad in both archipelagos, but uh, eventually much worse in Indonesia. You make the argument, or I, I draw the conclusion, that coming to Jakarta tells a story of how that action taken was trotted out as a successful trumping of communism and sold as an idea, perhaps, to underwrite the adventure of Vietnam. Yes, it happened at the same time as Vietnam, and uh, one of the analyses of why the Americans wanted to do it is they were very keen to have the army go in and take care of the Communist Party, but they knew that the army was frightened of China, and they wanted to put what they called a shield in Vietnam to keep it in, to interpose between China and Indonesia. And if you had a big U.S. presence in Vietnam, you didn't need to win a war. You just needed to be there. That's the key, I think, to all these wars, where these hopeless wars we keep on fighting. Afghanistan will never win that one. Uh, Iraq, we're back in. Uh, we're never going to win in any conventional sense. But the presence of U.S. troops is what matters. And in the case of Iraq, it means that the government of Kazakhstan is willing to make contracts with Chevron and Exxon and uh, not fear Russia because he's got Russian armies to the north, but now there's an American army to the south. So it's, um, 
it, it, it doesn't make sense on one level. It does make sense on another level, and uh, it's imperialism. It looks like the business of war. I was... Um, the poem is less, I mean, it, it, if you read my poem, it's not going to tell you an enormous amount about what happened in Indonesia, although it, it did some things, and I, I learned a lot writing the poem and researching that led to certain prose things I wrote, and uh, one of the consequences, which is kind of amusing, I, I actually got to debate William Colby, who the, was the, at that time the ex- head of the CIA and before that head of the Asia desk at the time of the massacre. So uh, it, uh, it, 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 it created minor waves among intellectuals and so on. Um, but most of the poem was just uh, the feeling of uh, which I think most people have. You know, this is an awful world and we would love to do something about it, but we can't but we can't seem to get anything done. So it's, it's, a, it's a mixture of the personal and the political. You mentioned earlier that a, a book in progress is the writing of the, uh, a book about the writing of this trilogy. Can you talk about that? Yes. Well, first of all, I, I did an article for something called uh, the Asia, uh, uh, Asia Political Journal, uh, in which... I just talked about how writing the poem, well, no, I think I better begin somewhere else. Uh, I, I have a, a friend, a former student, but a now a very good friend and helper and colleague, uh, co-author, who uh, loved the poem and uh, persuaded me two years ago to sit down and do some interviews uh, explaining the poem, because the poem really needs explanation. And so he interviewed me, there are a total of 22 interviews, each one about half an hour long, and uh, he has asked me matter-of-fact questions about what's happening in the poem, and that's the core of the book. And originally it was going to be the book, I was just going to get, transcribe those essays and write a few introductory words, uh, and that would be it. But, you know, interview, being interviewed by him, it took over a year. Um, I thought more and more about the poem, and I realized that the poem had really been very important to me in developing my own political ideas. I, I, I'm known for talking about deep politics, the politics that doesn't get mentioned, the, the locus of power and a zone that is so hidden that the media, the, 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 the mainstream media never write about it. And I realized that I had uh, been empowered to develop those ideas by writing the poem. The poem helped my political thinking, particularly because there was one event, I recovered a memory in the in writing the poem, it comes at the very end of the poem, and you would have thought it was such a vivid event that it would be something you'd never forget, but I had totally repressed it. And this is what happened. Uh, there's somebody, a friend of mine called Al McCoy, wrote a book called The Politics of Heroin, 
And I was writing a book called The War Conspiracy at the same time. This is way back in 72, 1972. And uh, he came out here on his way to Indochina. And I phoned somebody that I had met at an anti-war uh, event a few months before. This man had said he was in special forces and he had seen opium loaded onto CIA planes, Air America. So, and I had a contact for him. So I phoned him and I said, would you be willing to talk to my friend Al McCoy and myself? This was a late afternoon. And he said, sure. And he gave us his address in Palo Alto. And the next morning, Al and I drove down to Palo Alto and we knocked on, we walked up a few steps to his door, banged on the door, and he came out with his fingers to his lips, indicating that we ought to speak. And this was kind of surprising because we had come to talk to him. And then he led us down the stairs, and then he began to talk. And he said, "Look at my look at my MG." And we looked at it. It was a convertible with a steel door, and there was a hole in the door about a foot in diameter. And he said, and then he said, now look at the floor of my MG, and the floor was made of wood. And he said, they use an implosive device to bomb my car. That must have been my old unit. They're telling me I can't talk to you. Well, I had just witnessed a, a terrorist event, very a small one, admittedly, but the use, the use of terror to intimidate and silence this guy we were going to talk to. And this was all on the basis of a phone call that I had had with him the night before. So you might think this is a pretty uh, unforgettable thing. In fact, is I forgot about it. And so did Al McCoy. And eventually, when Al McCoy uh, wrote the final edition of his major book, The Politics of Heroin, <coughs> He mentions my account of it in the preface. He quotes from the poem, Coming to Jakarta, because that's how he recovered his memory was through my sharing with him the poem. Well, you know, I think quite a lot of this goes on. We repress, if there are things that don't, why would I not remember something like that? I think it, it's just too, too scary. I think if there are things that, uh, that we don't want to think about, we repress them. And I think the job of poetry is to bring our consciousness back to those things that we don't want to face and uh, and also to lead a way out, because um, if I hadn't found a way out by healing the poem, I might not have recovered that memory. It's significant to me. It was the, I recovered a lot of memories in writing the poem, but that is literally the very last one on the last page but one of the poem. And uh, that's because it was the scariest of all in my relatively un unscary life. So that's where I think that poetry is, uh, can contribute to politics. And you were asking about the book I'm writing now. I wrote an essay about recovering that memory and how it led to my notion of deep politics. I published that, uh, I think, uh, in 2011, and uh, then I realized that should go in this book. 
So the total title of my book is Poetry and Terror, the Poetics and Politics of Coming to Jakarta, because the, uh, the process the, uh, is, is as much political as is po poetical. So that's the core of the book, is those interviews, uh, a couple of introductions, a prose essay I wrote way back in the 1980s, informed by the research which I had done for the poem, and then this, you might say, the most original part is this, how poetry can lead to a, an informed, deeper sense of politics. That's the book. We speak of poetry as healing. It was a healing for yourself, and I believe bringing the focus to the reading audience, to pieces of history they might have heard about in passing. I mean, even Hollywood films, like uh, uh, that Mel Gibson film with um, uh, Lethal Weapon, made reference to running opium out of Vietnam and the silence that is enforced by those who are still doing it. When you see real accounts such as you give, it brings it out of the uh, the, uh, the imagination and brings it into the real, uh, which then perhaps creates the uh, the uh, the attention of the of the group to of the group focus to do some more research, and that's where the healing starts. Yeah, and actually, it even raises questions of what is real because uh, I don't think my belief is that as human beings. We're not really supposed to be living in the kind of system that we're living in now. <coughs> and that, uh, and that we're, I'm not talking about Indonesia now, I'm not talking about my own poetry. For, since the beginning of time, I think that uh, the world has been an unsatisfactory world, and we are, there's something in us, or certainly most of us, or some of us, that wants a better world, and poetry is our way of grasping for that other world. And that other world may not exist yet, but that doesn't mean for me that it's not real, maybe not even more real than this uh, insane world that we're living in now. And we're caught between two different kinds of worlds, and poetry is the vehicle to escape from this one to, to the other one and back. Um that there is an innate goodness in humans that is frustrated by our current civilization is referenced perhaps by you on page 25 as you uh, speak of the horrors of the Indonesian uh, civil war and you say or you gentle reader let us examine carefully the good reasons you and I don't enjoy reading this yeah right oh you got the poem there yes um, and, uh, you know, I, I was writing this out as a process. Uh, I didn't understand the reasons I didn't enjoy, and the poem continues to explore them and actually goes back into my childhood, and then I realized that I, too, was violent as a child, and I have to wonder why that is. I'm still wondering, by the way. <laughs> Even after the interview with my friend uh, Freeman Ng, uh, he, uh, I, 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 I was a lot wiser about the evil in myself, but it's a, I believe, it's, there's no proof for this whatsoever, but I believe that the, it is, uh, we're most human when we're behaving in, in, in concert with other people and getting along with other people, and if, of course, uh, there are times when all of us don't, but 
I attribute that to the way that we are deformed by the frustrations of life, and some people, of course, have terrible lives and become terribly deformed. Um, now, you can't prove that, and I have friends, uh, I have one friend in particular who believes that, no, it's, uh, it's, it's equally human to be a saint or to be a sinner, that there, there isn't a preference in human nature for one over the other. I think there is a genetic tendency to become better than we are now, and that we're not, as a, as a species, uh, maybe we haven't really reached the fullness of development when we will be better than we are now. You know, cannibalism used to be widespread. Now, it still occurs, but we usually regard it as uh, pretty dysfunctional if it happens. And uh, and uh, there's, you know, Freud himself said that certain desires become repressed, and he pointed to cannibalism as being the the one that has been most uh, widely uh, suppressed as as a rule. So that's just a belief, and I think I even if I didn't believe that, I think I still would write poetry. But I do believe it, and it's my poetry is very connected to that belief. Peters, we speak of poems and healing. Um, so often you are, are uh, asked to trot out uh, the, um, the world on fire and the uh, reasons behind it. Would you share with us, sir, a poem of your own? Love that. A poem? Oh, my gosh. I should have been ready for that. Uh, I, I, I suppose I do a poem that's completely different, just to, uh, I, you know, I'm now 87. Uh, my... There are a lot of things I no longer do that I used to do. And if I can just find, yes, here's the book I want. Uh, this is a book called Tilting Point that came out in 2012. And part of it is political, but this particular poem is not. It's, uh, it's about what happens to me when I go out uh, for a walk in the morning and Excuse me just a second here. Here it is. I go out for a walk in the morning, and uh, a young jogger, female jogger, aged about 18 and very short shorts, uh, comes running towards me and brushes against me as she goes by. And for some weird reason, this uh, gets me interested. And I have written this poem. It's a, dedicated to Allegra. Allegra is all of these women. Uh, but you say it still happens. I, the odds are about one in three that it will happen any given morning. So I wrote this poem to Allegra. I walk towards you in the morning dark, and you come running. Did I discern a spark of recognition in your wayward glance of all we share in our too brief romance? Yes. For a moment you smile at me as if embarrassed by this brevity. Ironic that you, at maybe 17, should race so avidly to the unseen, and I should haltingly, at 81, still mindful of so much I have not done, pace step by step as my sclerotic eye, obsessed with the vastness of what is nearby, 
Narcissi stiffening upwards by degrees, buds bursting open in the tulip trees, while simultaneously in a squall, hundreds of star magnolia petals fall. I is roused to a final furtive peak towards the scintillations of your silken shorts. And if I called out, sweetheart, not so fast, we need to make each precious moment last. It is too late. You have already passed. Enlightening my sweet confusion, is love no more than brief illusion? Or rather, a predetermined grace to enhance our inevitable race. It's maybe not the poem you expected, but you you caught me blindsided. I should have had a poem ready, and I didn't. There are plenty of political ones. They tend to be too long, though. Peter, I don't know if you take uh, uh, requests, but I'm looking at your homing poem, a winter poem. It's, I, it seems to speak to some themes that have been in this interview. I wondered if you, you would read your, your, your opening title poem to Tilting Point. Oh, yeah, that's a, that, that's a much more serious poem, of course. I, I have to get to it. Homing, a winter poem. Uh, it's relevant. I should mention that I'm a Canadian, so I come from north of the border, and that the tundra swans... Uh, in the winter, they come down to the delta. I go to I go to see them every winter. It's it's a sacred thing for me. And then in the summer, they fly up to northern Canada or even to Siberia. There there, there are green, uh, swans and cranes that come here from Siberia every winter. And that is the occasion of the poem. Uh, and it's dedicated to Thomas Tranströmer a Swedish poet who has a similar image in one of his poems. I'll skip the epigraph because it takes too long to explain. So here's the poem. Thank you for asking for that one. That's one of my favorite poems. So here we go. Tundra swans have come back from the frozen Arctic to the Delta marshes where I, far from home, drawn by a view of the open sea, and by the ancient future in the fantastic gospels of Jubu and Nortona, have spent my years building structures for that dawn, each poem a conduit from our irreplaceable present to a glimpse of odyssey towards a promised land. Structures I at last perceive amid the remnant of a tribe who have lost faith in themselves, seeing their hands stained with blood, their factory doors closing, their songbirds silenced, were mostly made of sand in a tidal area. But even at my age, sensing the sad range of human folly, my habits are entrenched. We are what we have become, still hoping to please my dead parents. I go on blindly building in the space created by wars as the tundra swans, inspired by the tilt of the earth, get ready to leave for the exact northern marshes where they were born. 
Well, Peter, thank you for being part of this irreplaceable presence at the Commentary Collective. I sincerely hope you'll agree to come back and read more poetry in the future. Yeah. I'd love to. Thank you. I enjoyed this. Hey, Peter. Yo, Peter. This is me, Diamond Dave. And I just want to say to you, I felt you. I was right there. I'd be 78. <laughs> I'd be 78. Which of you had pulled out these poems? Who, who, who wanted to read, hear Tundra, the homing poem? That was James, but it took me right back to where, took me where I'm, just before I turned 78, Peter. Okay. I'm thinking I'm an old man now. No, you're a young man. I'm, I'm all over. I'm about to tell you. To, to, take a deep breath. I'm about to tell you. Oh, I'm an old man now. It's all over. Almost 80. And you're over 80. It's all late. Then I heard the voice of the Spirit. I believe you too. And here's what she said. I'm a Sufi. You heard the voice of the Spirit, and here's what she said. Learn to love. Love to learn never ends. Learn to love, love to learn, this never ends. Because that same situation, I'll be walking along a similar situation, and uh, I'll exchange glances, and it becomes more than a glance with some young woman as she's going by. She checks me out. I check her out. We have a moment of communication, as you were saying so yeah, well. They check you out. They're, I'm not sure they're really checking me out. but the way they check you they, out, too. Uh, they're, they're polite. They, uh, I think they're... They, 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 if I, if I don't nudge them, they're not going to uh, be nasty to me. Richard, Richard. So are, we, are we done now? Well, I one more sentence, Peter. Yes? Uh, uh, Peter, uh, 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 acknowledging each I'm having trouble hearing you. Okay, acknowledging each other's existence. What I, I said, I learned to love, love to learn. That love will get you everywhere. Hate will get you nowhere. And that's where I am. And it does go. And it does go. And we connect to us. And we realize we're all on the planet together. Did we plan well, it? And here we are. You see, I think that's true. I talk this. I <clears throat> we didn't get into this, but uh, Theodore Adorno talks about alterity. That all art has a vision of some other world and that's what makes it art and I add to that that there's an alternative there's, some of the art is true I mean some of the some of some art just creates fantasy some art creates truth I think what you just said is true as I said, I've been, uh, it's been 15 years since I had talked to you, and I was well, more than that, but I have my sobriety, I haven't had a drink in 15 years, so these things are opening up. And as a Sufi, I understand with the dervish. The dervish is about the dervish, it's a lifelong process, the doorway but the door doorway between the two worlds, the world within and the world without. And that's what we're about weaving together. That's what art's about, that's what poetry's about, the spiritual path is about is this doorway, the doorway between the two worlds, the world within and the world without. Exactly. So, Peter, glad to be on the same page with you. Loving you, brother. We be doing what we're doing. It's called community and communication. Take it away, James. I was going to ask him if he's interested in why Rumi is in my book, my post book. Well, I didn't know he was, but do you know that Rumi was not just a poet, but a dervish. And dervish is, uh, is the Farsi word for doorway, doorway between the two worlds. Where is that? Or where is that in your, in a, do you have that in his prose book? Do you, do you know, that, you know where Rumi was born? Well, I, I, I know in Persia. Tell me more. Though. I know he's in Afghanistan, and then he and his family were pushed all the way to Turkey. 
When the, uh, when he was the, born in the city of Balkh, B-A-L-K-H, in Afghanistan. One of the oldest cities in the world. Uh, when he was uh, 13 years old, the Mongols arrived, and because the city of Balkh resisted, and I think they killed somebody in the, the ruling family, the, the Khans, they killed everybody in the city. They, they, the city was once supposed to be the largest city in the world. It was the, a major city on the Silk Road. And uh, the Mongols leveled it. And since then, it's just been a pile of rubble. And that was what Rumi had to cope with in his life. And that, to me, is, uh, you know, his, his life was a healing of that disaster. I look at the major poets in my life, like uh, Virgil, Dante, Wordsworth, they've all contemplated, uh, or T.S. Eliot, they, they've all contemplated disaster like that. And their art, which is the art that really interests me, is a poetry that is a healing from disaster. And, and, that's, and that's where the, I'm jumping in to say, that I feel like that's where the, the bravery of poetry really comes from because when you when you live through or witness or know of <clears throat> these these tragedies um, and then having having that that wherewithal and the bravery to write about it um, I think is is kind of the, the kind of opens the floodgates um, for whatever comes next and and that healing we've been talking about I agree with that I agree you when something like that happens either you're crushed or else you have to summon up a strength uh, to respond to that kind of catastrophe, which is beyond the strength that you would need for a normal life. And then if you tend also to be creative, then you have a strong kind of creation. See, that's to me why Wordsworth's prelude, he, he witnessed the French Revolution, which he believed in, and then he saw the massacres and the guillotine and the... If you're like me, you're probably wondering, should I inject bleach into my eyeballs with a needle? Well, that's an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked. Statistics show that no, no, you should not inject bleach into your eyeball with a needle. Paid for by the committee to stop injecting bleach into the eyeballs with needles. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. Global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines. Vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, 
then take a chance on the Chancellor. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! We are Unleash the Rain, and we're coming to you streaming live every Tuesday from 4 to 6 p.m. here at MutinyRadio.fm in the Mission in San Francisco. Because we need more rain in San Francisco. Yes, we're still in a drought here in California, but this is a business show, you silly man. Uh, I was hoping for a rain dance. Well, why, that would be a lot of fun. And we do have a lot of fun on the show. What we do is we help small and medium-sized businesses leverage technology to increase revenue and reduce expenses and make it rain for your business. Are you sure it's going to be fun if I listen? We are very fun. We're also real world. We are not messing around. We're going to give you the real deal. Cool. So... I can send an email to Vincent at Unleash the Rain or Stacy at Unleash the Rain and ask my business question or my yes, technology question. Absolutely. Ask us your business and technology questions. We would love to answer those on the air. And then listen to our podcast or listen to us live on and, Tuesdays. And also Netflix. check us out on Facebook at Unleash the Rain. Well, hey there, San Francisco. If you're looking for some delicious late-night food, I suggest you mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late-night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit. It's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? Then get them! And from the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Counter offer, son! Of 
The dictionary definition of the adjective eclectic is selecting or choosing from various sources. When Bay Area musician J.D. Buell brings you Morning Train Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on Mutiny Radio, that is exactly what he does. Select music from various sources to give you a unique listening experience. Rock, pop, jazz, bluegrass, gospel, funk, reggae, folk, blues, country and western, electronica, soul, disco, rhythm and blues, punk and post-punk come together with music from around the world with Buell's passionate and down-to-earth delivery. In an age of personal music delivery systems, J.D. Buell carries on the values of progressive FM radio when a listener could actually have a relationship with a programmer, someone who would create an eclectic musical environment wherein both listener and host find fulfillment. The Morning Train with J.D. Buell, Wednesday, 10 to noon on mutinyradio.fm. Freeform radio for free minds. This is a story of three strangers hosting an open mic. When comics stop being polite and start getting real. This is the Sick Sad Open Mic. Every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. and every fourth Tuesday as our Sick Sad Showcase. Brought to you by Adrian Villalone, Valerie Vernali, and Katie Carnes. See you there, angsties. You're standing on my neck. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh. 